black-eyed children. Never let them in. Curled up in your big comfy chair, you can hear the wind bouncing sleet off of the bay window. As you imagine the chill you would get if you had to be outside, you wrap your fuzzy blanket tighter around you. Just as you are about to open your favorite book, you hear a knock on the front door. Wondering who could possibly show up at this late an hour, you slip into your robe and make your way to the foyer. Before flipping the light switch on, you slide the cover from the peephole and peer through. Standing just on the other side of the door are two young boys. They must be in trouble to be out this late, especially in this kind of weather, and with no adult to accompany them. They must be freezing the poor things. Worried, you quickly release the locks and swing the door open. A feeling of dread mingled with a strange fear starts to fill your veins. On the horns of Dilemma, you are also strangely drawn to the two unexpected small humans that stand before you. The tallest of the two, who could be no more than ten, without looking directly at you, asks to use your phone to call his parents. You start to swing the door wider, but as you do, the light from inside illuminates the boy's face. Nausea, hopelessness, and fear suddenly flood your being as you find yourself staring into a set of completely black, soulless eyes. This is one of the ways that the black-eyed children may approach you, but what you do next will decide your fate. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's creepiest legends and myths. Since the beginning of time, mankind has told cautionary tales shared explanations for the unexplained, and failed to comprehend what goes bump in the night. But I am here to help you understand the freaky folklore every culture of the world is steeped in. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting network. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. Hello, I am Sarah, and this is the nightmare that in February 2021, I experienced in real life. At least I wish it had been a nightmare. I am about to finish my Associates of Arts degree at Angelina College in Lufkin, Texas. I plan to take a break at the end of the semester to decide how I want to proceed with my education, or if I want to proceed at all. Let me rewind a little and explain why I do not any longer know what direction I want to go with my life. My very first day here. I was fortunate enough to meet my best friend and the love of my life, Michael. We were both running late for our first class, and I was texting and walking, not paying attention to my surroundings, when I collided with him, coming around a corner. I suffered a shattered phone, 
but poor Michael ended up with a bloody nose when the top of my head smashed into his face as I reached to retrieve my phone. I felt terrible. I mean, the entire thing was my fault. But Michael? Well, let's just say that I was instantly charmed. Even with his eyes watering and blood running down his face, he was cracking jokes and trying to put me at ease. He was more worried about my feelings than the painful dilemma I had put him in. We were both late for class, but it was totally worth it. We made sure to be early after that, but mostly so that we could make sure and sit next to each other. We were practically inseparable from that day forward. After more than a year as a couple, Michael and I decided we would go to graduate school together in Houston. We were already planning unofficially to build a life together after college. Now that I've given you the pretext, I will get back to where I started. It was February 12th, and we had a lot of homework to do, but we also had big plans for Valentine's Day, which Mother Nature would find a way to screw up. Since Valentine's Day fell on a Sunday this year, we could get our schoolwork done by Saturday night and clear the entire day Sunday for ourselves. I don't usually pay a lot of attention to the weather, because in this part of Texas, a bad day from humidity or a random rainstorm is usually the biggest threat even during this time of the year. It was early Friday evening when I overheard some buzz in the library about the winter storm that was headed our way. Now, if you know anything about us Texans, you know that we just kind of laugh it off because a winter storm to us is actually just a little sleet on the ground. You talk about a big mistake. By Saturday afternoon, there were cars and even big four-wheel drive trucks in the ditches all over the place. Michael usually stays at my one-bedroom apartment. You might as well say he lives there. Something that happened gradually, without discussion. I was upset because our Valentine's Day plans had been ruined. There were several inches of ice on the ground and the snow had started to fall on top of it. I was now glued to the weather reports and it didn't look like there was any sign of it stopping soon. Michael, being the sweetheart that he usually is, wanted to salvage the weekend, but he wanted to surprise me. He had to go out alone and promised to be gone only for an hour or so. My apartment is minutes from town, so I thought that surely it would be safe. I feel horrible about it now, but while he was gone, I sat down on the couch to watch some YouTube videos on my laptop, and the next thing you know I was asleep. It felt like a short power nap, but when I looked at my phone it was getting dark outside. I had been out for a little over three hours. I knew Michael was still gone. I could feel it. I got up and walked over to the window that overlooks his parking space and, sure enough, his truck was not there. Trying not to freak out yet, I grabbed my phone off the couch and I speed dial his number. It rings three times and just before his voicemail could pick up, he answers. But I immediately get the feeling that something is off. I said, Baby, are you okay? I expected you back over an hour ago. He hesitates before he begins to explain his situation. He says, Actually, I was only gone about half an hour, but I have been sitting in my truck for at least 15 minutes dealing with some weird crap. I was leaving the grocery store 
when I had a strange feeling of dread come over me. I felt like I was being watched. He pauses again for a moment and then continues. When I was about to climb into my truck, I heard a kid say, Hey, mister. So I turn around and there's this girl and boy standing there looking at me. And I'm trying not to freak out because it is just two little kids. But Sarah, something is not right about them. They are dressed weird, like they step right out of the 80s, and... But that's not the weirdest part about it. At this point, I am trying not to laugh, because my big boyfriend and his big truck is spooked by two little kids. But he sounds more spooked than I've ever heard him. And I ask him, So what is so weird? And we can talk about how long you've really been gone when you get back. And that's about when I hear pounding coming from the other end of the line. And from that point, our conversation stops momentarily. I hear Michael talking and all that I can make out is that he sounds scared, maybe even terrified. After a couple of minutes, Michael is back on the line. Sarah, they are insisting on a ride. I have to do something. I mean, they have me creep the hell out, but they are just two small kids and it is freezing out here. I think that I'm the only one left in this parking lot, and I couldn't live with myself if something happened to them. Starting to get a little worried myself, I swallow hard and say, Just let them in. Get in where it's warm and call their parents or someone. It is getting too dangerous out there for you to be driving all over the place. His voice is shaky when he answers back and I am still confused by his reaction to these kids. But as I hear the door alarm go off as he opens his door, Michael says one last thing before he says goodbye. Sarah, their eyes are completely black. I just watched a video about this kind of thing, but I'm sure they are probably just pranking me. I was on edge for the next couple of hours, my worry turning into fear as the minutes ticked away. Why would he say he was gone less than an hour when I know for a fact that it was more than three? I looked at the clock when he left because I wanted to check on him if he took too long because of the bad roads. I let a total of two hours go by after the phone conversation, and I had made about a dozen calls back to check on him with no answer before I even decided to call for help. During that time, I logged into Michael's tablet and looked until I found his history. That is where I found it. Michael had watched several videos about something called the Black-Eyed Children. Now I was wondering, was it a coincidence or was he playing a prank on me? If he were, it was not funny and he sure as hell would hear about it. This was not like him though. He was not into cruel jokes. When I finally called 911, they told me it would take some time because most of the roads were impassable at this point. I sat on the couch and watched every one of the stories that he had viewed. Totally freaked out, I never did go to sleep. I think I drank about a gallon of coffee, which only put me more on edge. It was not until 7.30 the next morning that I got a knock on my door. I expected Michael or the police, but it was Michael's dad. He was trying to act calm, 
but I could tell he was worried. He said Michael's truck was in the Kroger parking lot about two miles from my apartment. He said there was no sign of Michael, but the truck was running and in the seat beside him were his phone and a heart-shaped box of candy with a card that had not yet been signed. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Black-eyed children or black-eyed kids, often referred to as BKE for short, are an American urban legend or contemporary legend. They are mysterious creatures looking like children between the ages of 6 and 16 with seemingly black eyes. They primarily approach unsuspecting adults at night on the doorsteps of their homes, empty parking lots, or hitchhiking on lonely highways. The kids usually come in groups of two or more and often ask for favors. The favors are usually to get a ride or to come in to use the phone or the bathroom or to get something to eat or drink. On at least one occasion, they were reported to have asked to use the telegraph. They are most frequently seen wearing dirty, outdated clothing or hoodies. In many reports, they were even barefooted. In most cases, the kids all have pale or bluish-colored skin, but in every case, their eyes are entirely black. There are dozens of stories circulating, each of them separate instances but all of them follow a remarkably similar pattern. Kids with completely blacked out eyes arrive at someone's home or vehicle, knock on the door, and then insist upon being let inside. Anyone who encounters them almost immediately begins to feel an overwhelming sense of dread. Some even describe it as terror but with a desire that draws you like a moth to a flame as you become willing to do the things that they ask you to do. Things that you know you should not do, such as grant their favors. People begin to agree to their requests against their better judgment, even though the request will seem vaguely unsettling, without realizing why it is. Should you discover that their eyes are completely black, the children become terribly angry and insistent on you complying with their demands. Those who report encounters with them often feel that the children were somehow supernatural 
and extremely dangerous, though they could not explain why. They can at times be seen playing games and singing nursery songs. While it may not be the earliest sighting throughout history, the earliest reported sighting was in 1996 by Brian Bethel, a journalist from Abilene, Texas. In Bethel's report, he describes a late evening out in his vehicle. He had stopped in a parking lot near a movie theater to write a check. He was so absorbed in this that he did not notice the two young boys approach his car. He didn't notice until the older boy tapped the driver's side window. Bethel rolled the window down and noted immediately a soul-wracking fear, though he could not understand why. The older boy said that he and his brother had wanted to catch a movie, but had forgotten their money at home, and asked if Bethel would give them a ride. They assured him that it wouldn't take long. They were just two kids, and that they didn't have a gun. Bethel found the assurances unnerving, and noted that the last showing of the film they wanted to see had already started, and would be nearly over by the time he could drive them anywhere and get back. In his recount of the incident, he stated that when he broke eye contact with them, his fear became all-encompassing, and it was not until he broke eye contact that their eyes became completely blacked out. The older boy began to get frustrated when Bethel made excuses for not giving them a ride, and said that they could not get into the car unless Bethel said it was okay. After that, Bethel tore out of the parking lot. To this day, he still stands by his story. Bethel's incidents had allegedly taken place from 9.30 to 10 p.m. that night, an incident that he could never forget. Bethel began sending private emails to a trusted few about his experiences. Soon, his story spread like wildfire on the internet. The personal experience of this famed journalist was soon shared by thousands of others, some legit some fake, but enough for the BEKs to be regarded as a modern paranormal phenomenon. There are a couple of stories dating back to 1974 and 1950 in other countries. This legend crossed oceans of water and landed in the great land of the UK, where in 2014, the Daily Star wrote three front-page stories about sightings of the Black-Eyed Children in Staffordshire. Canuck Chase in Staffordshire, England, is known for its beauty and its scenic trails, but it is also known for something more sinister. As history tells it, during the 1960s, it was the hunting ground for an evil predator seeking young victims by the name of Raymond Morris. Morris was a local factory worker who had allegedly taken photos of schoolgirls in 1966. Three young girls became the victims of this monster after he stalked, kidnapped, and eventually murdered them. He was only convicted for killing one of them. He died in prison in March of 2014 after serving 45 years of a life sentence. However, this is not the end of the story. There is an old legend that many people from many nations have shared in various languages. Yes, it is the legend of the black-eyed children. For many years, people have claimed to have encountered ghostly children without eyes. Some claim they are aliens, while others claim they are ghosts of murdered children. 
some people think one of Morris's victims is one of these children named Christine Daly. They believe she spends her eternity wondering because she cannot see. And the reason she cannot see is that Raymond Morris put a blindfold on Christine after abducting her. Others think that Morris may have killed and assaulted many other young girls. No one knows exactly how many children Raymond Morris killed. Is it possible that spirits of these deceased girls are still seeking the justice they never received while alive? In Cannock Chase, there was a sighting caught by a drone of a figure in the woods dressed in a light-colored garment, and it got paranormal enthusiasts to wonder whether it was the apparition of a spooky black-eyed child. Paranormal investigator Lee Brickley launched an in-depth investigation of Canic Chase after reports that the ghoulish apparition had been spotted in the sprawling heathland. Ghost hunters who believed that the black-eyed children were extraterrestrials, vampires, or ghosts took these alleged sightings very seriously. David Weatherly is an author and paranormal investigator of the strange and supernatural. He has traveled the world in pursuit of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, magic, and more. Weatherly has interviewed dozens of people who have claimed to have first-hand experiences with the Black-Eyed Children and went on to write a book titled The Black-Eyed Children. Although claiming to be a skeptic, Weatherly, upon doing these interviews, discovered the similarities in the recounts of these stories, including emotional reactions to the children. They became such a popular phenomenon, whether real or purely web-based, that a movie came out about them in 2015. In the movie, an aspiring filmmaker embarks on a journey investigating the nightmarish and haunting stories behind the black-eyed children phenomenon. Through first-hand accounts, professional paranormal experts, and for the first time ever, actual found footage of the so-called myths and legends are brought to life. During the making, a discovery is made that changes the life of the filmmaker and will change those of the viewers. Witness this growing legend for yourself in this movie titled The Black-Eyed Children, Let Me In. There are countless numbers and sightings of these encounters, but no alleged stories of people who have actually let these children into their homes or cars. Scouring the internet, it is also difficult to find a theory for what happens if you give in to these seemingly malicious creatures. Forming a theory may rely on a person's belief as to what these children really are. If they are aliens, alien-human crossbreeds, vampires, or even demons, there is a common possibility. Aliens abduct, vampires devour, and demons drag you to hell. It is possible that many people have given in to them, but have vanished without a trace, never to tell their story. Whether they are aliens, vampires, demons, or ghosts, their actions point to malignant intentions. To know about the black-eyed children may mean you will meet them someday, but here is a list of things to remember, if you do. Black-eyed children will look like normal human children 
between the ages of 6 and 16, but with pale skin and completely black eyes. People who have been near the black-eyed kids report a feeling of unease that washed over them. While nothing about the children's appearance aside from their eyes genuinely frightened the people, they still reported feelings ranging from anxiety to terror at their presence. Some people have also reported seeing black-eyed kids that have talons for feet or other demonic attributes, but most sightings are of seemingly normal children. People who have spoken with them for more than a few minutes discover later that they have lost as much as a few hours in time. Black-eyed kids are also commonly described as wearing dated clothing or dressing in a manner that is not typical of a normal child of their age. Black-eyed children always ask for something. It is always something that involves being in close quarters with you. They will ask for a ride in your vehicle or to enter your home or to use a phone. There are no reported stories of what happens when you let a black-eyed kid into your vehicle or home. All stories come from people whose eerie feelings made them flee from the children. Once you hear about the black-eyed kids, you are more likely to encounter them. In 2014, a British paper reported that sightings of the black-eyed kids around the world were rising. Nowadays, people still claim to see the black-eyed children when driving late at night down an empty road, or outside of their window late at night, or even lurking in the shadows of their room. Many people have reported seeing the black-eyed children standing in the corner of their room during their episodes of sleep paralysis, or even waking up in the middle of the night because they sensed someone was watching them, and in the shadows were these children. Now, part two of our story. It has been more than a month since Michael disappeared and still, they have no clues. I have been doing my own share of investigating. I have spent countless hours reading stories and watching videos of black-eyed kid encounters. I am barely sleeping. Not only am I consumed with guilt for telling him to let those kids into his truck, but I am also terrified. What is he going through right now? Is he in pain? Is he suffering? Am I going to be next? I cringe every time the doorbell rings. I can't even go outside even though I should be out there looking for him. I love Michael with every ounce of my being. It has felt like there is a cord that has connected us from the day we met. But now I cannot feel the connection. It feels like he's not even in this world anymore. I feel so alone. I have written everything down in my journal that has happened and everything that I have learned. Now that I have finished this entry, I think I will attempt to take a nap. I am so exhausted. Well. I am sure I dozed off for a few minutes, but something just startled me into complete awareness. I didn't hear anything, but something is not right. 
I am sitting here on the edge of my bed and I have this horrible feeling like something bad is about to happen. I think I will get up and take something to calm my nerves. I know that my anxiety levels have been high with everything that has happened. I feel like I am on pins and needles all of the time. So I am probably just imagining things. At this point, I laid down my journal and got up to look for some chamomile tea and to try to get my bearings. The house is dark. The sun must have set while I was resting. I had just passed the front door when the feeling of dread became overwhelming. Feeling paranoid and scared, I walked over to look at the parking lot through the curtains. The lot was lit by street lamps and seemed to be void of life. As I scanned the area of my assigned parking spot, my eyes caught two small figures. My apartment is on the second floor, so I had to take a long, hard look to figure out what I was seeing. Standing, not six feet from my parking spot was what looked like two kids. By their size, they couldn't have been more than 12 years old, a boy and a girl. The memory of the description Michael gave of the kids that night came rushing back to me. My heart began to race, and I could feel my body starting to break out into a sweat. I must be going crazy or suffering from PTSD. I have been spooked for weeks. All the hours spent doing research have been a mistake because now I am unreasonably freaking out. I know better than to believe in these sort of crazy things. I have just been feeding my mind with too much paranormal garbage. Calm down, Sarah. I shut the curtains and step away from the window. Taking a deep calming breath, I walk into the kitchen to find my tea. I barely had my hand on the cabinet when I heard a soft knocking on the door. It was odd because everyone uses the doorbell. I do not want to answer the knock because the feeling of dread is not only still there, but has grown with every heartbeat. I must be reasonable, otherwise I'm going to hide in this apartment until I totally lose my mind. I am a strong person, not weak-minded like people who crack up. I slowly turn and walk over to the door. I make sure the chain lock is in place before I ease it open just a few inches. My imagination is going wild at this point. I'm going over everything I've learned. I am safe on this side of the door. Just remain calm and see who it is. My veins are coursing with fear so strong I feel like I may faint. But I peer through the crack in the door and standing there are two creatures from a nightmare. It is the two kids that I just saw standing in the parking lot. A boy and a girl. She is a little taller than he is, but they are both very scruffy looking, as if they had not bathed or changed clothes for a few days. I did not have a chance to speak. The girl immediately, without even looking at me, asked if she could come in. She said they were lost and needed to call their parents. It was the strangest feeling because every ounce of my being was screaming for me to slam the door, but there was this eerie pulling urge inside me, telling me to open the door and to help them. 
how dangerous could two small children be after all? And what kind of person was I if I turned them away when they needed help? I am now sure that I am going crazy because my mind and my emotions are in a horrendous conflict. You would think that I would have slammed the door shut, and I did shut it, but it felt like it weighed a ton. As soon as I heard the sound of the locks clicking, some of the heavy feelings of dread and fear eased. It didn't last long, though, because just as I turned around and leaned back on the door with some relief, there was a banging from the other side so hard that I could feel the whole door shake. I could hear the girl yelling at me through the door. You must help! We are small and we are lost. We will not hurt you. But she did not sound reassuring. She sounded angry. It was at that moment that I finally snapped. I ran down the hall and into my bedroom. I slammed the door shut and locked it. I wanted to call for help, but I left my phone in the kitchen, and I was not about to walk past that front door to get it. Like a scared kid, I quickly climbed into bed and covered my head with the blankets. For a few minutes, I could only hear my heartbeat and my own heavy breathing. When I finally convinced myself to calm down, I realized that everything was silent. The banging and yelling had stopped. I didn't leave the room immediately. I was still too scared. When I finally did work up the courage, it was still quiet. I couldn't even hear the traffic from outside as I usually could. I slowly climbed out of bed and opened the bedroom door. I walked back down the hallway trying desperately not to make a sound. At the corner right before I stepped up, I stopped at the corner of the hallway to listen but still no sound. With the same careful steps, I walk over to the window that would allow me to see the welcome mat by the front door, and I gently ease the curtains open. Nothing. There was no one there. Just a couple of moths flying around the lot by my door. I am still scared, but the feeling of dread has mysteriously left me. As relief begins to take over, I crumble in a heap onto the floor. I am sobbing uncontrollably as so many feelings overwhelm me, but the greatest one is grief. I realize at that moment that I will never see Michael again. Whatever these creatures are, they have taken him from me, and I have narrowly escaped. I must tell my story, his story. Maybe others can be saved by sharing our experience. I just hope Michael, or at least his soul, is out there, somewhere, free. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is a part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. 
Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as Darkness Prevails Podcast, which has nearly 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails Podcast is the show for you. Tune in next week as Freaky Folklore explores the Navajo legend of the Skinwalker. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>